0: Hey listeners, this is a preview episode of a bonus pod. You can get access to all the bonus pods we put out as a Patreon member. The link is in the show notes. We've been putting all of our Patreon cash into paying Asian American writers for their work and publishing it on our magazine website, planamag.com. For this week's bonus, the writer Yasmin Nair joins us to talk about Parasite's Big Night at the Oscars, Jason Momoa's superhuman hotness, and the politically limperist genre of Asian American representational politics writing that we are seeing everywhere these days. Escape. From plan A A OX OX OX
1: OX, O-X. O-X. Escape Escape, Escape. Escape.
0: Welcome to Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is Teen. And today I've got a really special guest who's been on the pod once before, friend of the podcast, Yasmin Nair. Yasmin, how are you?
1: I'm well. Thank you. Such a great delight to be back on. I was on the 100th episode, as I recall. Yes, to my great yeah. pride. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, we we specifically reached out to you for, for our, oh. our centennial. Oh, as lovely. It were.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah, Yasmin. You know, Yasmin, we're kind of like uh, you know, there's sort of like a, a little sh- little um, nexus between you and and us, and then and then the Champagne Sharks guys and Trevor. And I was I was driving down back to New York, listening to you and Trevor chop it up on Champagne Sharks. Ooh uh and i just i was just cracking up the whole time uh as was
1: i i think as was i yeah
0: i was cracking up at you cracking up and i was like i gotta i gotta get in on this conversation because you had said something i forgot about who uh but you were talking about people who write Asian-American writers who use the sentence, the scent of jasmine and cumin or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a popular set of tropes, yes. <laughs> yes.
0: And I just, I've, I've been thinking a lot about that, you know. I um, <clears throat> Someone on Twitter uh, has was had posted this article, and I think you read it too, the, the one by Walter Chaw in yes. the New York Times about how Parasite won, but Asian Americans are still losing. And uh, someone I posted on Twitter, I think it was Cat uh, Content Only, said, "Okay, it this fits all of the usual tropes of Asian American uh, writing here? It it begins with uh, how as 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 children during the China's Revolution, my parents fled the Communists. It talks about growing up as the only per- the only person of uh, Asian descent." It talks about Bruce Lee. <laughs> it talks about not feeling seen. It talks about feeling trapped because you're you're not totally Chinese and you're not totally American. And then boom, end story. Uh, ship it off, publish. And it's it's remarkably accurate in terms of in terms of what the tropes are for these kinds of things. And I and I've you've read this. I've read it yes. about three times now, and I still have no idea what he's trying to say.
1: I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> all complaint fest with no real point
0: yeah yeah and i just i wanted to you know i just want to get to the bottom of what's going on here because they keep they keep publishing stuff like this and i got this you know i was thinking about it and i thought you know i think it's one of these things where the point of it is that there's no point and You don't say anything and you just make being Asian American or whatever. It's like nothing's ever. It's just complaints. It's just like nothing's ever good enough. It's like a very sickly kind of voice where it's like, no, nah, it's not. That's not really me. Uh, it's I'm, I'm, the parasite. Isn't me. You don't know me. I don't feel seen. <laughs> I don't even see myself. Boom. And it's like, also, you're supposed to feel grateful that the New York Times let you put this out you know you can't accuse the New York Times of excluding the Asian Americans you know but on the other hand nothing was said and I feel like there is a filter that really promotes this kind of contentless formless and also sickly kind of writing Uh, I don't know if I'm being too hard but when I heard you all chop it up on the with Trevor I was like Yasmin might understand what I'm trying
1: (laughs) to say yes 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 (laughs) yes Oh god, yes. I mean, I read that. Yes, that an op-ed and I like like you, I have there's no real point to it and it's there are so many things to say about all of this, but one thing I'll start with I think is how you know, the still sort of white dominated media industry. And even if it isn't dominated by white people, even when it's dominated by, you know, people of all hues and colors, it, there's a way in which it um, exploits and reinforces what I'm going to call identity porn. You know, we all talk about trauma porn, but I think what we're really in the age of right now is identity porn. And I'm thinking about this op-ed in light of, for instance, the whole American Dirt controversy. And just to quickly summarize you know, for, for our listeners, American Dirt is a novel by Jean Cummings, <coughs> who is, I think her father is actually Pu- Puerto Rican. She has been identified as white. I have I have the novel on my uh, bedstand. I'm I'm going to be reading it soon, but it's been widely criticized for a number of reasons, all of which were sort of incoherent in some ways. Some have I will say that there's been a charge of plagiarism against her, which I take very seriously. So that's terrible. But the charge has basically been why is this white woman getting a massive million dollar advanced from a, you know from flat iron publishers when her narrative isn't authentic enough, right? So, what's interesting to me is that all of the kerfuffle around the novel has been about how it's not an authentic portrait of life on the border because and it's and it's salacious and so on and so forth and it may well be. What what interests me is that so many of the narratives around all of that are not authentic in the first, you know, who who gets to claim authenticity? So when I read this op-ed about Parasite, I thought, well, why does a movie have to represent your life in particular? You know, no one's life can ever be represented fully in any cultural representation. So it was such a peculiar op-ed. And it's an opera that we see, I think, almost every five years at this point, or perhaps sometimes even every five months. It's a common complaint. The, the, one of the more disturbing things about, especially let's think about this op-ed in particular, is that it's so, in many ways, kind of ahistorical, right? So it's basically saying, and, I'm re- and I remember now, for instance, reading critiques similarly of um, Little Women, which is, a, you know, it's, it's, it's an American classic. It's about 150 years old by now. It was written by a white woman about the Civil War, about these, you know, four sisters growing up in the Civil War. And I saw this critic saying, well, it doesn't represent me because I'm a woman of color. I'm a black woman. I'm an Asian woman. I mean, of course it doesn't represent you. It was written 150 years ago. <laughs> it cannot represent yeah. you. You know, and, right. so, and what is interesting is that you now have all these TV shows um, I think there's, there's a detective show starring a woman whose name, I can't remember the name now. But it's very, they're very anachronistic. So the big thing now is to redo these texts in very anachronistic terms and suddenly make them seem feminist or make them seem like suddenly there are like, magically there are 10 black people. You know, Handmaid's Tale, the current TV series going on, which I can't bear to watch. I couldn't, you know, after, I think, the second one, I just thought, I'm, I'm done. I'll wait for the whole damn thing to be over before I write a review of it because I, it's just too much. It's just too painful. But oh, it, interesting. It, yeah, but it has like these, painful in the sense that it's just really bad, but it has these inserted black bodies and it becomes very problematic because they're so clearly tokenized. You know, it's sort of like the director saying, okay, we're going to get complaints about there being no black or brown bodies. Get Let's get some in. And just insert them and have them standing around in the background, which is what I recall from the last time I watched um, the TV series. But I guess the point is, yeah, I, I, I the, it's we're in a peculiar moment where people aren't really able to read or digest culture in intelligent ways. They're going into this like these spoiled brats. I'm putting this very bluntly, right? Like spoiled brats who've had some sort of you know uh cultural reading text syllabus crammed down that throws from the age of 6 or something and everything has to be about them and if it's not about them it's not representative enough but we should be able to grapple with very problematic texts and the point of living in the present is to be able to think intelligently about the past and not simply say that well this text is useless Because it's only about, say, white women or about white men. You know, if you look at something like Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which is, again, a classic text, I know people, I'm going to get mauled online for having even said this, but Conrad's Heart of Darkness is problematic and also not problematic in the sense that when we approach it, we have to approach it as something that did exist. And we need to think about not rewriting or declaiming it, but asking ourselves, well, what is it about our past that produces these texts? And how do we relate to them intelligently? As opposed to going to a movie theater. And what interests me about this art is this is not even about a historical text. It's about a text. You know, it's a movie made by a Korean filmmaker in the here and now. <laughs> what do you want him to do? And also, China, Korea, completely different?
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, and, and it... Um... It came out like so quickly after the uh the award was, was given right. and it sort of assumes that there were a lot of like that it, it kind of assumes that there's already a lot of chatter among Asian American people to say this was a big win. And I'm like, I don't think there's been enough time to say that. So it was almost anticipating mm-hmm. that this is what Asian Americans would say. And I was thinking like the response to the win. Is already pre-programmed in us to a certain extent, yes, right? Yes. And then the backlash to that response is pre-programmed to us in an extent. <clears throat> so I felt like the op-ed was almost just sort of like it was almost just saying like, okay, now that Parasite won, this is basically what Asian Americans are going to say for the next week. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: yes. Because <laughs> yes. we already know what they're going to say. Yes, yes. And, and what, let's just say it now. Like, yes. to, if that was what the op-ed was, and it was done in a sort of like. Snarky, snarky way to say, like, I've been, we've been around. It's not like this is the first Asian film to either be nominated or to win or whatever. I mean, it's not really, it's, 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 it's in, it's, I think it's the first Asian film to win, but it's not the first to, uh, it's not the first to be nominated. And he's also not the first. Like he won Best Director too. He's not the first Asian director to win Best Director. Or anything like that. I mean, it is it is a like a really imp- like unique event, but not quite as unique as it's as it's made out to be, you know. And the. You know, there's a certain, you know, when the Oscars decide to do something that's, quote, groundbreaking, meaning they just decided to fucking do it, which I never understood. It's kind of like when it's groundbreaking when an Asian actor was, like, you know, given a Marvel franchise. Simu Liu's, like, Shang-Chi thing. And then everyone was like, oh my god, it happened. We did it. I'm like, you didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Disney executives just decided to do it.
1: (laughs) Right, right. I mean, that's how easy it is. They get around and they say, let's just do it. And they did it. Yes. Yeah, they just decided
0: to do it. And then that somehow gets translated into (sighs) we did it. We did it! Yeah. I'm like, you know, and I think with this, too, it's like the the Academy decided to give the award to Bong Joon-Ho, and parasite and everyone's like we did it we did it and i thought to some extent there was hope in this op-ed or op-ed like this to say you know these are empty claims like Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day it's really not that big a deal but it didn't do that it just sort of it was just sickly and meek you know the whole thing yeah
1: (laughs) and really whiny (laughs) It's really whiny. I mean, and also, who gives a damn about the Oscars, frankly? Look, Jason Momoa was not at the Oscars this year. So as far as I'm Jasmine, I
0: knew his name would come up when we talked. (laughs) All right. Tell me about about Jason Momoa.
1: (laughs) He was not at the Oscars. Excuse me. That means so let me just say this about the Oscars. The Oscars, first of all is dead in the water. It's like a stinking fish that's been floating up and down the river for yeah, about 20 terrible. years now. Because you will notice that none of the really big stars, including, shall we say once again, Jason I- Momoa, <laughs> <laughs> none of them show up. There was a time when it
0: was... <laughs> you heard it here. The Oscars are dead, and you know it, because Aquaman wasn't there. Because
1: Aquaman wasn't there. He wasn't I mean, there. The was even at the oscars last year looking may i say fantastic <laughs>